Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Second hour right here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Thank you so much for making us a part of your weekend here on 710 ESPN Seattle. He's Taylor Jacobs. I am Curtis Rogers. Just an absolutely beautiful weekend in store here in the Pacific Northwest. Make sure you're getting some sunlight out there, uh, at least over the next 48 hours. But but also put some sunscreen on. We don't want you getting roasted there. Yeah, so important. Wear your sunscreen. Load that (laughs) SPF up, baby. Let's get it up there. Oh, yeah. Let's get it up there. Melanoma, a real thing. We don't want anybody out there getting it. Uh, But what we do want you out there uh, this week is rooting hard for the Mariners and Sounders. Uh, The Sounders picking up that big win last night. Mariners with two more games on the docket against the Astros this weekend. Uh, So plenty in store. You can hear both those games here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Uh, Plenty to get to, though, in this hour. Also, we're going to talk maybe some NBA ownership. There was a wild story this weekend that had everybody in the city of Seattle talking. We'll get into that in about a half hour from now. But, Taylor, let's start off this hour as we do each hour of Seattle Sports Saturday. That is with our big three. Number one. Well, history was made in Augusta, Georgia, as Hideki Matsuyama overcame. Oh, thank you, Matt. There it is. A tradition unlike any other. As Hideki Matsuyama overcame those three bogeys in the last four holes to win the Masters Tournament. In doing so, became the first Japanese man to win a golf major championship. So very cool to see that happen, especially at the Masters. Matsuyama started the final round at Augusta with a four-stroke lead Sunday morning, coming out of the top ten with a score of ten under par. He bested the likes of Will Zalatoris, who finished one stroke behind, as well as Jordan Spieth and Xander Schauffele, who were tied for third. Winner's purse this year, $2 million. Pretty cool to see. So Matsuyama went to the tournament, ranked 25th in the world. Vegas Insider posted the odds of him winning as 46 to 1 before the tournament. However, those odds jumped to 5 to 6 going into the final round on Sunday. So great to see dominant performance at the end despite the mistakes in the, few, the last few holes. But uh, Matsuyama, your Masters champion. Number two. Well, we might have a candidate for the best story in the very early goings of the baseball season, but after missing significant time in 2018, 19, and 20 with shoulder and Tommy John surgery, White Sox lefty Carlos Radon made his triumphant return to the rotation with his first career no-hitter against the Cleveland Indians. It was nearly a perfect game, but Radon grazed Roberto Perez on the foot in the ninth inning. Tip of the cap to him for announcing his arrival or at least his return to the rotation there with a no-hitter. Some unfortunate news for the defending champion Dodgers is star Cody Bellinger will be out for some time with a hairline fracture in his left leg. And it wouldn't be a week in Major League Baseball without some hot replay controversy. The Phillies beating the Braves on Sunday Night Baseball thanks to a questionable call that ruled Alec Bohm safe at home despite not touching home plate. Replay did not overturn the call despite video evidence clearly showing he was not safe. 
And later in the week, the Mets winning on a walk-off thanks to Michael Conforto taking one for the team, leaning well out over the plate, getting one off his shoulder. Gotta love the incompetency of Major League Baseball umpires. Number three. Don't look now, but the New York Knicks are on a five-game win streak and currently sitting in sixth place in the East, but are a half game out from the four seed and hosting in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Quite the jump in basketball products in the Big Apple as the Nets also coming back for or they're a game back, pardon me, in the East from that one seed, despite all these injuries that they've had to their stars. They've been able to overcome that and put up some good successful results. The Celtics have signed former number two overall pick Jabari Parker, the team announced on Friday. Let's go through some standings out west. The Jazz are still in the first place spot with the Suns, surprisingly, a game and a half behind them. Clippers, Nuggets, Lakers, Blazers, Mavs, and Grizz, they round out your top eight in the west. But big news Regarding the ownership of one team and maybe the potential relocation of that team, the Timberwolves getting new ownership. Could that mean the T-Wolves moving to Seattle? Would you want to see the T-Wolves move to Seattle? We'll talk about that at 1230. Darn right we will because, hey, Alex Rodriguez, anytime he does anything, it's making news. Uh, including his cringy Instagram stories this week. Oh, Uh, Curtis. The worst. (laughs) Oh, man. Look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that. Like, I could probably handle a breakup of any caliber well. So I'm not going to criticize him too much. But boy, oh, boy. Oh, it was sad, sad, sad. You can't put that on social media, Alex. You can't do it. Yeah. Hope she saw it, bro. Hope she saw it. Uh, Probably didn't, (laughs) though. I don't think so. I don't think Jennifer is, uh, you know, going to be uh, hollering at Alex Rodriguez anytime soon here. But that is this hour's big three. Some huge news in the world of college athletics: the NCAA approving a one-time transfer rule that makes student athletes immediately eligible. They would not have to sit out the one season as we have seen so often in the past. Uh, long overdue. Long overdue. Yes. But but glad it's here. Glad it's here because these student-athletes deserve uh, to play as quickly as possible, and we see it all the time with coaches leaving programs, and they don't get to sit out at at any point. So uh, shout-out to a a rare win for the student-athletes in the NCAA. Yeah, and just the fact that coaches and students and faculty can move schools with no repercussions, that only the athletes seem to be paying this sort of price of sitting out, having to, to be punished for, for changing schools. And look, the the coach that recruited him might not even be there by the time they step on campus. So long overdue, like you said, Curtis, great rule. And I'm excited to see how the, the, the players are sort of rewarded going forward for things like this and being able to move to, to the right school. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, people kind of complaining about the transfer portal and whatnot. Oh, it's so crazy. And it's like, well, you know what? Like, I don't blame these kids for wanting to find a better opportunity to to find playing time, especially if they have hopes and dreams of making it, you know, professionally. We've seen it work right. to the – yeah, we've seen it work here, you know, in with Gardner Minshew with the Cougs a couple of years ago. There is no way – 
Gardner Minshew goes pro unless he has the season he had at Wazoo during his senior season. And that's exactly what happened. And, I mean, I'm not saying that Minshew is a starting quarterback by any stretch of the imagination in the NFL, but he's this will be year three for him in the league. A lot of guys barely make it, you know, to a practice squad. So uh, it can be beneficial if you use it right and, you know, Who's to say that it's not going to be beneficial for a lot of these kids? And, uh, you know, look at a team like the Husky basketball program we just talked about. They're going to need a lot of guys immediately eligible this year after losing six to the portal. So you got to use it. It is a, a necessary evil in college athletics. And it's not like they can just, again, it's the first time transfer, right? It's the one time transfer. It's not the doesn't work here you can just bounce around it's not like you can just move districts right like you can't keep moving around so if the situation isn't right you should be allowed to to find one that is and this is that opportunity so again getting some of these ncaa athletes some of these long overdue i'm gonna call them rights okay just general rights that they should have it's great to see uh, and then uh, elsewhere, the college basketball head coaching carousel looks to have finally slowed down. I think the the last big domino to fall fell this week as Arizona hired Gonzaga assistant Tommy Lloyd. I, I know a lot of Zags fans uh, were very sad to see Lloyd go as he's been Mark Few's right-hand man for about two decades now. Lloyd just 46 years old, so he's been with that program since, you know, fresh out of college. Uh but, you know, an interesting hire made by the Wildcats as a Wildcat alum, obviously following the coaching search very closely. I I will say I'm very interested to see what kind of coach Lloyd is going to be if he brings that same up-tempo style Gonzaga has been known for under Mark Few. Uh, off to a good start in recruiting. They landed a commit yesterday. But um, Pac-12 undergoing a, a little bit of a shift in terms of powers as Sean Miller no longer at Arizona. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of build that program back up. But uh, a big, big shift on the West Coast, too. Gonzaga losing their top assistant, him going to Arizona. Maybe this is a a part of the resurrection of West Coast basketball here, Taylor. Uh, You know, we've got UCLA. They were in the Final Four. Gonzaga was in the national championship game. Hopefully some more programs can start to emerge here west of the Mississippi. And don't forget Nerdball, Curtis. Nerdball's coming, too. It's true. We're ready to make that run. We're ready. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see the, the reemergence of the Pac-12 in basketball. Would love them to take that next step in football um, and to become, again, another respected conference. Because right now of the Power Five, they would be five of five So in, in football. So let's let's see similar type production and results on the football side of things and show everyone why we're the conference of champions, baby. Absolutely. Shout out to Bill Walton, always holding it down yes. for the conference of champions. Coming up in this hour, would you be okay with the Minnesota Timberwolves Move into Seattle one day. I don't. It, there's no guarantees of it ever happening, but there is a very real possibility that it might. And one villain in Seattle sports culture could be the guy to make it happen. That's coming up in about 15 minutes from now. But as we do each and every Saturday, we go around the NFL for some of the biggest headlines in the league. That's coming your way next here on Seattle Sports Saturday.
Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. As we do each and every week here on Seattle Sports Saturday, it's time for some NFL headlines. And Taylor, the big story, at least in the NFL world, happened off the field, happened the last couple of days uh, with Aaron Donald, the big defensive tackle, defensive player of the year for the Rams, involved in a sort of a an incident that someone was looking to press charges against him. That wasn't the case. Uh, as it looked as though Aaron Donald in the security cam footage was not uh, – you know, the aggressor in the situation. He was actually trying to defuse the situation. Um, so good on him, I guess, for, for being the, uh, the cooling head amongst all the, the, the chaos in Pittsburgh, but uh, just a crazy, crazy situation. You never want to see anybody involved in something like that. No. And uh, again, from everything you've heard from people in LA, when talking about Donald, they love love him, what he's done in the community, what he's done on the field. Um, again, so it's nice to see this. The interesting thing also, the photo they posted, um, I believe his name was, his last name is Scriggs. He was wearing a Wazoo number 12 hoodie. So I was like, what the? Aaron Donald? Coogs? We got a little scuffle here? You don't want to see that. But again... It's come out, and uh, the lawyer of the defendant has is going to apologize to Aaron Donald, both publicly and privately, about the 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 mix up there. Because again, good to see that the video evidence has cleared him, and that he was trying to defuse the situation. Um, so yeah, never want to hear uh, NFL stars getting in fights. No, but go Cougs. Uh, is... Always go Cougs. <laughs> if you were going to get into a a brawl with an NFL player, which Cougs jersey would you go with? Ooh, that's a good question, man. Um, I mean, there's some fate. Look, I would probably wear like a Derek Lowe. I'd probably wear maybe like a Taylor Rochester as a, as a fellow Taylor Whoa. gang member. You know what I mean? To like move a little <laughs> nimbly. To be, maybe my jumping will increase. I'm going basketball okay. most likely. I would wear a bump, but I don't want to disrespect the bump jersey. Get it torn, get it no. ripped up. We got to save that. I've already had one stolen in my life, which I have not forgiven whoever has stolen that from me <laughs> at school. But I think I would go basketball. Rochester, you know, Derek Lowe, Kyle Weaver. You know, you can't go wrong with those three. I think an, an underrated one would be Dayon Buchanan. That would be a, a good coop uh, jersey to wear to a brawl. Uh, that dude, that dude was bad. bad oh, you dude. know what, Curtis? Changing my answer. I'm going to wear a James Hasty throwback coop jersey. Ooh. Shout out to my neighbor in the Hasty family. I'm going James. I like that one. I like that one. Uh, some news in Cleveland involving a pair of former Seahawks. One signing, one release. Two guys that the Seahawks have actually traded a lot of draft capital for over the last, what, four or five seasons. Sheldon Richardson getting released. They owed him about $12 million against the cap. He's now a free agent. First off, Taylor, Sheldon Richardson a free agent. The Seahawks don't have Jaron Reed right now on the defensive line at that defensive tackle spot. Would you want a reunion with Sheldon Richardson? Like the scene in Dumb and Dumber, pick him up, 
pick him up. Yeah, if it's the right price, I want him back here. Look, I clearly don't know how the cap works as much as I try and look at over the cap and I do all this research. It seems that the uh, the, the team knows it a little bit better than we fans do. So it seems like they can manipulate it enough to get him on this roster. Then, yeah, let's find a way to bring him there and, again, keep that D-line fresh and keep that rotation moving. And the other Seahawk involved with the Cleveland Browns, that beach Debbie and Clowney signing a one-year, $10 million deal. I know there was a lot of people, uh, you know, not a, I, I guess a lot of people wasn't the right measurement, but yeah, there was a, a small majority of Seahawks fans that were hoping maybe a, a reunion would be in the cards. But for $10 million, Debbie and Clowney, after the year that he had, I will pass on that every single time. Yeah, hard, hard pass, and best of luck to him in Cleveland. And you know, who who knows what he'll look like on that D line with a couple with Miles Garrett. You know, a lot of pressure is going to be put onto blocking that guy. So can can Clowney kind of be that guy to get in and create some havoc? Best of luck to him with the Browns. But uh, yeah, at that price tag, a new thank you. Uh, before this guy ended up signing with the Chicago Bears, it was reported today that Jeremy Fowler uh, of ESPN said that Marquise Goodwin and the Seahawks had some interest. That'd be the wide receiver formerly of the San Francisco 49ers. Would have been an interesting addition. Probably would have filled the role, hopefully, or that was you know pegged for Philip Dorsett. Obviously, he's not a Seahawk anymore. We never saw him play for the Seahawks. Uh, so interesting, maybe for that third wide receiver role. Seahawks not done uh, sniffing around, maybe looking for a veteran presence from that spot on the field. Taylor, do you think that kind of gives away maybe sort of where the Seahawks are leaning in the draft in terms of that wide receiver three spot after putting that fishing line out there for Marquise Goodwin? Yeah, it's either that and they try and make it with the few picks they have. Who knows how things will fall? I mean, they can be prepared to take a wide receiver and none of the ones that they like may fall. But if that doesn't happen, they will for sure be active in that second wave of free agency. Or I don't know what wave number. I guess you had multiple waves in the first wave. So it's like wave 2.0. That's when I think they'll be active in the wide receiver market, trying to get some of those deals done. A um, little bit cheaper. See who's still available. If they can get them on a on a team friendly deal, um, similar to the situation with Sherm, right? What where will Richard Sherman end up? He even said uh, in the past week and a half that he thinks he'll sign after the draft because he knows teams will will try and get their draft picks and then look to that veteran presence. A lot of people looking at the draft order right now and kind of saying that it really starts at pick number four with Atlanta. Do they take a quarterback, even with Matt Ryan still on the roster? Trey Lance, a guy who is, you know, sort of in that range of pick number four, kind of all depending on what the 49ers do with Fields, Mac Jones, and Trey Lance. But, Taylor, when you look at the Falcons right now, do you think it's time for them to bring in Matt Ryan's successor, or is there still something within Matt Ryan that could maybe get Atlanta back to a playoff uh, caliber team over the next couple of seasons? Yeah, Curtis, it's hard to not take a quarterback in this position because you just never know when you'll be drafting this high again. And 
if they were to trade back and get some talent for Matt Ryan, would they ever, you know, for the next couple of years, will they be drafting again this high in the window of his success? So I think you, you have to. It really is unfortunate to say that. Unless you can move down a spot or two, maybe three max in the QB you like, you think will still be there and maybe get a couple other picks later in the draft to get some of that talent you need to build around Julio and Matt Ryan, then I'd be okay with that. But any movement beyond that is is probably too much, and you most likely need to take a quarterback if you're the Atlanta Falcons and start thinking in a year or two from now uh, when Matt Ryan is most likely on the downslope of his career, let's say. Well, whoever's throwing the ball in Atlanta, they're going to have some pretty good options to throw to Ooh. Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that. And then, uh, isn't uh, Hunter Henry their tight end? I mean, that's a that's, that's not a bad guy to throw to. Hunter Hurst Helmsley, no, as some, I like to call him. Yeah, <laughs> Triple H, baby. <laughs> yeah, you that those are some uh, solid hands, and uh, yeah, well, a young quarterback would love to go into that type of situation. So. It seems like they will be taking a quarterback, but if they do trade, they can't move too far away from the, the top flight QBs. It's not Hunter Henry, by the way. It's Hayden Hurst. I got my uh, double Hayden H. Hurst. Yeah. I mean. They're all the same. Who can. Exactly. They're all kind of one tight end. Uh, some other news in the NFL players from 16 teams, including the Seahawks have said they will not attend in-person OTAs, which were scheduled to start this week. Taylor, I, I look at just how the last two off-seasons have gone. Last year was completely virtual up until training camp. This year you've got players saying we're not going to attend because of how last off-season went and they didn't have any issues going virtual for OTAs. Do you think we're ever going to see in-person OTAs again? Because it, it seems to me like the players are, are going to dig their heels in on this and, and really try to get their way. Yeah, I don't know if we will. But, uh, again, one of the issues we've seen is some some former players will tell you the lack of practice is actually contributing to some of these injuries and the lack of live drills and the lack of contact in some of these practices is, are, is why we've seen the increase in some of the you know, knee issues, ligaments tearing and things like that. So it's tough, though, because, again, the players have only so much leverage in certain situations when going against these owners. So, yeah, I think we may never see those truly in-person OTAs again. But, again, it may be to where it's truly voluntary and if you get a quarterback like Russell Wilson or someone who can motivate his players to come back to be there early, maybe you see something like that. But, um, yeah, I don't know if we will see that ever again. I lean towards no. That is this week's edition of NFL Headlines here on Seattle Sports Saturday. When we return, big news in the NBA that may or may not have an impact on what goes down here in the basketball future of Seattle We'll talk that next on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Look, 
We're not saying it's going to happen. But what if it does? What if the greatest face turn in Seattle sports history, for sure? What if that happens? Maybe up there with one of the greatest face turns in in sports history, really. Of course, we're talking about Alex Rodriguez's purchase of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Him and his business partner, Mark Laurie, this week uh, went in on a $1.5 billion purchase of Minnesota. And, and just, man, that, that's a game-changing purchase just on the face of it. Because of all that, you know, the Timberwolves have been in the NBA. They have been one of the more dormant franchises over the course of their existence. Outside of the Kevin Garnett years, it's been a lot of nothing. And maybe this influx of cash can can really jumpstart that franchise. But obviously when there is a purchase made in the NBA, questions arise about the, legitim- the legitimacy of that franchise's future in their current market. And you've got a guy in this purchase, Taylor, who has some history here in Seattle. Not a lot of it is great history, but history nonetheless. Would you be okay with Alex Rodriguez? Could you bury the hatchet with him if there was a hatchet to be buried in the first place? Maybe you are somebody that has has gotten over it with him in the 20 years since he left Seattle. But could you find yourself rooting for a team owned by Alex Rodriguez if he did, in fact, move them to Seattle? Curtis, there are three storylines this country and this planet is obsessed with, especially when it comes to sports. The rise, the fall, and the redemption. We've seen the rise of Alex Rodriguez. We were there in person. We were there when we saw the, the great numbers he was putting up when he was young and Wow, what the potential. The fall, the, the contract he gets, going to Texas, going to New York, becoming a villain in, in Major League Baseball. And the redemption is yet to be written. It was sort of being written, but feels like it might have hit in a little bit of a breakup, if you want to call it that. Um, but, wow. And I know people are texting in. There's some people saying that the contract, the NBA, is restricting a, a relocation. <laughs> Look, it might be. It hasn't been reported. So uh, until it's officially official, let's not rule anything out. This is a hypothetical. We understand that. It is a long shot. But again, we didn't think Clay Bennett was going to move the Sonics. He told us to our faces he wasn't going to move the team. And I don't know if you've looked in the past few years, but they don't play here anymore. So um, to me, it, it feels like it would be something that would lead to a massive redemption story for Alex Rodriguez in this in this town. And again, who doesn't love the redemption story? Exactly. And I think a lot of people who look, point to the fact that current owner Glenn Taylor has written into the agreement that they not move the team from Minnesota – well, once Glenn Taylor relinquishes his majority stake in the ownership, which is supposed to be in 2023, there's going to be a about a two-year buffer period, uh, a two-year transition period between Taylor and Alex Rodriguez's group. Once he is not the majority owner anymore, he can't be making those kinds of decisions for the franchise. Like, it, it is one thing to write it in a contract, but contracts have been broken time and time again, especially in sports. 
that is something that does not, you know, bind words can only go so far in, in transactions like this. Once Glenn Taylor is out, what does Alex Rodriguez owe to him? He owes him nothing. What does Mark Laurie owe to Glenn Taylor? Nothing. He owes him absolutely nothing. Maybe a thank you card. Hey, thanks for selling your team to me. I, I really appreciate owning this multi-billion dollar asset the way the way we do now. But I, I look at just the potential for an NBA team to come to Seattle, whether it be through relocation or expansion. I don't know if there has ever been as much positive momentum towards that, whether it be one of those two ways. Even Glenn Taylor this week in an interview on, I think, a Minnesota radio station, he talked about how it's in the best interest of the NBA to expand to Seattle. He specifically said Seattle. And I, I, it's hard to disagree with him because of the expansion fee that it would take to get a team here, how the NBA is currently looking for any added revenue lost because of the pandemic, which is plenty because there are you know a fraction of the fans in the stands that there was pre-pandemic. So you wonder whether or not these two avenues, relocation or uh, expansion or feasible, I think both of them are very much on the table. And you look at the, the comments made by people in the ownership group of the Kraken, Tim Lywicki, brother of Todd, has been very vocal about wanting an NBA team in Seattle. It, it feels to me, Taylor, like there is a, a lot of people wanting this to become a reality. And I think uh, hopefully within this next decade, we we do see it come true. And look, we're going to see the Kraken launch here soon, and you'll see what the new arena looks like and what Climate Pledge Arena could be when you walk in and what it would look like potentially housing an NBA franchise. And from everything we've heard and from what people have seen from the inside, it's supposed to be world-class, state-of-the-art. So all of those things on the table, like you said, Curtis, but boy, oh boy, would I would just I would love expansion so much more than getting the relocated T-Wolves. Despite Anthony Edwards, I think he's a great sort of piece to build around. He's shown a lot of potential this season. With the top three protected pick this year, you are a little bit nervous like we were talking about off-air, Curtis. The Warriors controlling that if it's beyond pick four. So there is that that sort of worry. But to me... I just think about myself and when I was a fan, the Sonics were and are my favorite team. And the feeling I felt losing that team, I don't wish that on any sports fan. I don't wish that on any kid in Minnesota, in St. Paul, in anywhere in that state or in the surrounding areas who root for the T-Wolves and have had that team. It doesn't matter if they've been successful or not, but there's history, there's fans, there's a connection to that community, and I don't want any fan base to have to lose that for us to gain the team again. So to me, expansion, 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 please expand the league, add those two more teams, add that money into this league and build up for the lost revenue because of COVID and the lack of fans. New TV deals, new markets, the new money here in Seattle, please, please, please expand to have the Sonics back in the league. Absolutely. And I mean, if the NBA does expand to 32 teams one day, it makes scheduling a lot easier. You've got 
I believe it is 16 teams in the Eastern Conference and 14 in the Western. So if you add the two teams to the Western Conference, then you get a, a much you know easier way to schedule games. Uh, there are plenty of Western markets you know that could house an NBA team as we speak. Seattle obviously being near the very top of that list, or probably the very top of that list, once Climate Pledge Arena gets finished, once they uh, put the, the finishing touches on that place. You've got Las Vegas at uh, T-Mobile Arena. When that building, uh, you know, that building has been rocking for the NHL over the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that fan base the Golden Knights have, I imagine the NBA looks at that and says, maybe we could tap into that as well and, and get a real passionate fan base uh, going there. Um, Vancouver, you know, maybe the NBA tries to, to do it again in in Canada. They, they've had plenty of success in Toronto. We're just a couple of years removed from their NBA title, and, and that fan base, you know, is, is in love with the Raptors. Obviously, they're never going to beat the Maple Leafs for, for the most important game in town, but I think it's possible the Raptors have leapfrogged the Blue Jays in terms of importance in, in mm-hmm. Toronto, at least over the last couple of years. So maybe you know there is an option out here on the West Coast for two uh, expansion franchises. Hopefully Seattle is among that. I don't see a reason why they wouldn't be. You've got plenty of money in this town. You've got plenty of people willing to pay for an organization in this town. And you've got a, a sparkling new arena that the NBA has already had you know a franchise play in once before. Obviously it's not Soto because you know that's where. Chris Hansen's group has been trying to build an arena for so, so long, but it's going to be state of the art. They put in, what is it? $800 million of, of renovations into it. It's not going to look anything like what it used to look like. Hopefully not, because I got to be honest, the key arena at the end of its days, kind of a dump, but it was our dump. Uh, But I look at this and I'm with you there. Expansion has got to be, the the best way for this to happen but if it does happen through relocation I'm not going to be mad at it i'm not going to be mad at it <laughs> but you know maybe that says more about me than than it does about anything else here <laughs> yeah look i get it i get it i want the team just as bad as the next person i understand people who are burned and feel like they've been burned by the nba too bad to want to return i get that i get the people who want the nba back so bad they'll burn someone else to get it i get all of those feelings but to me getting the expansion if all the cards were on the table do it the right way get your team back Get Clay Bennett to sell you your history back of your team so the Thunder can be their own franchise. Get those jerseys back we can hang in the rafter. We can talk about Nick Collison's jersey retirement a little yeah. bit after that. But, uh, yeah, it just feels like that's it. you can do it the right way. It, it seems possible, and the league is talking about it, which makes it seem like they're very open to it. you got to hope that they expand. Coming up on Seattle Sports Saturday, we want your shout-outs, and we're going to give you ours. Text yours in to the text line, 710-710. We'll read yours and give you ours as we wrap up this, uh, this latest edition of Seattle Sports Saturday right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. 
If you missed any of today's Seattle Sports Saturday, make sure you're downloading that podcast at 710sports.com. You can click on the podcast page. We're there for you. So is every hour of every show. You can download us Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. He's Taylor Jacobs. I'm Curtis Rogers. It is unbelievably gorgeous outside. Shout out to the weather for holding it down mm. here in the Northwest yes. over this weekend. Cannot thank that enough because, man, it is so absolutely sunny out there. Uh, make sure you're getting some some vitamin D this weekend, but do it safely and at a distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so make sure that uh, you have some fun there. But, uh, Taylor, let's get to our shout-outs this weekend. And, and one that I had been hoping to get to, we didn't have a show last week. Uh, it happened on April 5th, I believe it was. Uh, Cairo 7's Jesse Jones, who is a – icon in this city mm-hmm. uh one of the most you know everybody's got their impression of jesse jesse jones cairo seven uh <laughs> he tweeted on april 6th saying yesterday afternoon i had quadruple bypass surgery i'm doing great thanks to the awesome doctors and nurses at swedish hospital i wasn't feeling well and luckily it was diagnosed before i had the big one i'll be back kicking butt before you know it And then on April 13th, he followed it up with saying, thanks to everyone for the kind words and well wishes following my bypass surgery. The level of response and support I've received has been humbling. And as I face a plant-based diet in my future, your prayers are needed now more than ever. So even in the midst of something as serious as quadruple bypass surgery, Jesse being able to uh, put it all in perspective there. I just want to shout out to him. He has been, uh, you know, in the, in the short amount of time that we've, uh, He's he's collaborated with 710 on a couple of things in the past. I know he guest hosted a few times in the past, and every time he's in our building, uh, it is always a pleasure to be around him. He is one of the kindest, most warm-hearted people out there. Uh, a very stark contrast to the intense reporter that you see each and every day on Cairo 7. If you ever get a chance to meet Jesse, he is one of the uh, – he is just a joy to be around. So, so thankful that he is doing better. Uh, we continue to pray for him and his family. Uh, but shout out to Jesse Jones for that. And then also another Northwest icon, that would be former Sonic legend Slick Watts, who uh, was who suffered a stroke about a week or so ago. He's doing better, but at his age, I believe he's in his 80s now. Um, you know, you always have to worry about that and, and just sort of the repercussions from that. So uh, shout out to both of those gentlemen Two people that are woven into the fabric of the Northwest, Jesse Jones and Slick Watts. Shout out to those two. Yeah, if you got a headband, make sure you're rocking them for Slick Watts, the iconic headband look you know yes. and love. And yeah, we're wishing uh, both of them just uh, nothing but good health and speedy recoveries. And and yeah, we we need our icons here in Seattle. So let's let's keep them let's keep them here so we can cherish them and and give them their their flowers. So uh, and speaking of, I'll give my shout out and uh, big big shout out to my mom. It's her birthday today, so a big happy birthday to her. Again, last year about this time. My dad was just getting out of the hospital and what she had to go through with her husband being in the ICU, being a mom, 
growing up, my dad traveled a lot too. So being a mom who empowered her son to be a big sports fan, to, to follow her radio dreams, I very much appreciate and love her for that. So uh, mom, happy birthday. I'll see you later. And, uh, and then my other shout out is just to the fans, seeing Sounders fans at a game yesterday and hearing the reaction to some of those goals. Oh, it just, it warms my heart. That's why I love this city. That's why I love going to games here in Seattle, whether it's at T-Mobile Park or Lumen Field for the Sounders or Mariners or Seahawks. It doesn't really matter. Sonics, hopefully one day soon. Kraken, one day soon. Uh, it's great to see fans back supporting these teams. So uh, cheers to all you who uh, who have been to the games and got to experience that in person and uh, would love to hear more more stories as we get more fans back into the stadiums. Absolutely. I mean, just listening to the Mariner game last night on Ty France's walk-off, the roar of the crowd, I mean, there were some tremendous sports moments in the year of 2020, but I don't know if they hit as hard as those – in the future will because there was, there were no fans in the stands and just that roar of the crowd in those huge moments, uh, just the sudden bursts of energy. That's something that sports has missed so dearly over the last, you know, 14 months and to see it kind of come back in, in increments, Obviously, we're nowhere near close to full capacity here in Seattle, but hopefully soon one day we will get back to seeing you know forty five thousand at 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 t mobile park hopefully we're back to seeing what is it sixty seven thousand at lumen field uh i mean that's that's a tremendous goal to have and I think uh if you're a sports fan in this town, why wouldn't you want to see those those places packed to the brim in the future and uh, we all just got to do our part and, and hopefully uh we'll be there sooner rather than later but yeah i mean it, it is night and day difference even with just a small number of fans in the stands uh compared to you know last year where there was nobody yeah and and no disrespect to the uh sound specialists who were playing crowd noise and the ambient noise and the reactions with the empty stadiums. It was a impossible task to achieve and they did the best possible job, but there is nothing like fans with heartbeats reacting and living and experiencing these games and, and their reactions and hearing the boos of the, and when the Astros were out there, right. And what they were getting heckled wise, you don't really get that in the simulated fans and the good, the good reactions and the, the build of fan and anticipation. And, you know, if someone's got a no, no, what it feels like in the crowd and the, you know, the, the hush of every pitch and the reaction after a strikeout or the, the next out that it's hard to replicate. And, it's so great to hear it back to getting back to where it should be and where we soon will be, which is having everyone back, having sold out arenas, having sold out stadiums and experiencing these things together in person like we should. Absolutely. I just want to issue a correction. 425 points it out. I misspoke on Slick Watts' age. Uh, he's 69 years old. Uh, but, mm. I mean, Slick has been somebody that, even after his playing days, is always around the Seattle sports landscape. You you see him at pretty much every event, or at least any sort of event that means anything in this town. And he is there with his signature headband. His his son Donald was uh, also a, a huge you know contributor to the Seattle sports landscape uh, in his own right. I, I mean, this is somebody that 
has been around Seattle sports since, what, the early 70s? So we're talking about 50 years of just you know, history with this one person who uh, played on, you know, the, those 70 Sonics teams, wasn't here for the championship year, but uh, was still, you know, a, a fan favorite. Then he's been a fan favorite ever since he's still a fan favorite. And uh, we hope for the best uh, for him and, and his family. So shout out to the Watts uh, as they, uh, you know, it's a very difficult time, but you know what, uh, knowing slick Watts, uh, just seeing him from afar and uh, you know, that that's a fighter for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, just his impact. We were talking Sonic's last segment and what it means to us, and the text line blowing up of you know, get the team back. I don't care. I do care. Love just any opinion. You can always text us seven ten seven ten during the show. We love talking with you guys. And Slick has a massive you know role in the Sonic's history and what that number thirteen meant because of what he did in that jersey and not only because of what he did in the jersey because of what he did after he was wearing the jersey in the community i i, I think i went to every single sonics rally about bringing the team back and i i would bet every single dollar i owned that slick watts was not only there but he was an active part in helping that event <clears throat> get off the ground and go and, and happen so Slick Watts, for, for, if you're listening to this show and you don't know who we're talking about, you have to do some research. Please, I implore you, learn about Slick Watts and some of those early Sonics teams and the impact they had on the city and what, it, what they meant to Seattle because uh, it's a rich, rich history. So, uh, yeah, Slick, we're pulling for you, buddy. I'm going to pull a headband, headband out after the show. I'm going to rock it the rest of the day. And then one final shout-out. There's some history being made right now in Major League Baseball. Uh, A guy by the name of Sean Kazmar, who made his Major League debut back in 2008. He is back in the big leagues for the first time since 2008. A 12-year gap between then and now. That is the largest gap Outside of Satchel Page and Minnie Minoso, two icons of the game, uh, he is back in Major League Baseball. He's playing for the Atlanta Braves right now. He's at bat uh, against the Chicago Cubs. Shout out to him for sticking with it all those years, 12 years in the minor leagues between Major League stints. Uh, just an incredible, incredible uh, journey that that guy has been on over the last decade plus. Minor League Baseball, not for the faint of heart, for him to to continue at it for as long as he did. Shout out to him. So shout out to Sean Kazmar. And I think that's going to do it for us here on this Seattle Sports Saturday. Shout out to you guys for stopping by and tuning in as you do each and every Saturday. We can't thank you guys enough. Mariner Baseball later tonight as they take on the Houston Astros in Game 2 of this three-game series. You're not going to want to miss that. For Taylor Jacobs, I'm Curtis Rogers. This has been Seattle Sports Saturday right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.